Longhorn fans, Sooner Nation, welcome to episode 73 of the Boomer Bevo podcast. The only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, University of Oklahoma, University of Texas. Kevin, eyes right now are on Rome, Italy. Where, as of this very moment, the Ryder Cup was just lost to Europe. Your eyes and the eyes of Texas fans are on London, England, where Bijan Robinson is trying to overcome the terrible play of his quarterback, Desmond Ritter, to rally the troops in London. But all of that, Kevin, pales in comparison to what's going to happen six days from now in Dallas, Texas. The greatest rivalry in college football. We'll kick off at 11 a.m. The 5-0 Texas Longhorns, led by Quinn Ewers and the offensive magic of Steve Sarkeesian, will go up against Danny Stutzman and the defensive brilliance that is Brent Venables. Kevin, there are six days away. I know we've got other games to talk about. I know we've got last last night's games to talk about. I care not. Because in six days... Kevin, the fate of the season, nay, the fate of my life, may be determined on October 7th in Dallas. What are your initial thoughts on this game? Hook them, baby. That's my Hook initial them. thoughts. Let's go. Hook them, he says. Go, man. This, is, this is why we do this, right? Oh, my God, dude. Listen, it was a little sketchy. And y'all were, I was never really worried about y'all, especially when it rolled, Jalen Daniels rolls out limp, you know, but you can't even play. Oklahoma lets two stupid touchdowns come in, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, don't ruin this beautiful moment that is. The defense steps up. Kevin, I am ready, dude. I am ready. I cannot tell you how ready I am. Um, I think this is going to be a titanic matchup. I think the winner of this game, and I'm not speaking in a hyperbole here, even if it's Oklahoma, has a rightful shot at number one team in the country because everybody else sucks right now, Kevin. They suck. We are the two hottest teams in the country meeting each other next week. Yeah, I mean, Georgia has struggled, right? They, look, they keep winning, so we give them credit. But they haven't looked impressive really at all this season. Michigan looks up and down, right? Again, they keep winning, too. They just haven't looked very good doing it. So, yeah, I don't know. Texas and OU look very good right now. And I it's great to- that we get to settle it on the field. Let's go. I beg to differ. Michigan beats Nebraska 45-7. to 45 that's, that's the first the week real before Michigan. they didn't look good. No, they didn't look good. And that's the first real Michigan win where I was like, oh, okay. I guess they're about to decide to start playing now. Uh, I mean, said Nebraska, it, though, I mean. No, they're terrible. Yeah. No, they're terrible. They're terrible. Their offense is terrible. Um, I, You know, they're not. that's not a measuring stick, but at least Michigan yeah. beat them down. You know, at least they beat exactly. them down. Exactly. Like yeah, yeah, they didn't play down to their competition. Uh, you said it. Georgia over Auburn. Man, dude, I was this game was coming on. This game was ending right as the OU game was coming on last night. I was pulling so hard for Auburn. Their big tight end, Georgia's big tight end, made a just a hell of a play to win that game. That guy, I I don't know that Georgia is all that in a bag of chips. I mean, we know how good they are defensively, but that tight end is fantastic. He has been, and he has been since the moment he stepped on campus. I mean, he was their leading receiver as a true freshman. It's pretty unbelievable, man. So um, he's going to be one of those guys that's hard for them to replace. 
despite how well they recruit, you just don't find guys like that at that position who can make an impact. Is Georgia feeling the loss of A.D. Mitchell? You know what? He was always up and down for them. He had a ton of injuries while he was there, but he was that one real big playmaker at the receiver position when he was healthy. They got the Lad McConkey kid who's pretty good, but he was always a big playmaker, especially once they got into the college football playoff. I mean, he scored in all four games that he played in, college football playoff games. So I think they do miss that. They just need somebody to step up at the receiver position and be that real go-to guy because teams are going to do everything they can to keep Brock Bowers from taking over. Auburn, unfortunately, just couldn't do it down the stretch, especially in that fourth. We have 121 yards receiving in the fourth quarter. I was about to say, dude, it might not be enough. They might do everything they can to stop Bowers, and it might not be enough. Uh, Utah falls off the mountain in the Pac-12, going down 21-7. Yeah, we talked about this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, eventually, I don't care how good your defense is, you got to be able to score points. And without Cam Rising, they just haven't been able to score consistently. And going into Oregon State in that environment against that team, Oregon State has a good football team, DJ – and the offense did just enough to uh, get them the lead, and, and that was it. Uh, your boy Michael Penix uh, beat Arizona, but not as not as big as we we would have thought. Thirty one twenty four, but they stay yeah. undefeated. They were up early, pretty high. I think they were up like thirty one uh, ten or some, something like that, and then they didn't really score much in the second half. And Arizona did put on a little comeback, so it'll be interesting to see. But they had a business on the road. Not an easy place to play. Well, it is starting to be that time of year, and it kind of sneaks up on us, right? It sneaks up on college football fan where the games get tighter just because. Whether it's certain players are nicked up, whether it's familiarity with your opponents, but games get tighter. But, you know, and and we're getting into – I mean, dude, it's, it's week six. It's week, week six, six already, yeah, right? We're recapping week five. It is week six. And – you're starting to see the games tighten up. And I think that Washington-Arizona game is an example of that. And now you're starting to get into a just-win mentality. I mean, let's face it. Oklahoma and Texas are going to play here in six days. I don't care if we win two to nothing, 51 yeah, yeah. to 50. You don't, need, like, you don't none have of it to have style points. Correct. No, none of it matters anymore. You're just trying to win the game that's in front of you. Um, Surviving events. NCAA tournament style. Speaking of surviving and advancing, USC survives a furious rally against Colorado. You know I was pulling for Colorado. They just didn't have enough in the tank after getting a slow start against SC in the first half. Yeah, It was a slow start that really killed him, right? Caleb Williams, I mean, this guy continues to show why he is by far the best player in college football. Some of the throws that he was making. The thing about Colorado's defense is they run a ton of busts. The coverage was never – I never saw guys running down the field. You know how Lincoln Riley's scheme can be, right? He can get guys just running down the field wide open. I never saw any bust. It's just that he's so good. Even when guys are covered well, he can just put it in the perfect spot to not only where the guy can catch it, but he can catch it and keep running, turn up field, and keep going for more yards. So, again, great comeback attempt by Shador Sanders and the rest of the Colorado offense. They had some playmakers emerge. Omari and Miller kind of got his first action of the season, had about 196 yards receiving. So that's something to watch looking forward. Also, the freshman corner, the five-star corner, Carmani McClain, finally got onto the field. Dion's been pretty candid about 
him and his struggles, saying he needs to prepare better, he needs to watch film, he needs to start taking the game a little bit more seriously before I put him on the field. Again, showing why Dion is an old school coach, right? This is a five star corner out of the state of Florida. Kevin, that sounds bombastic. That sounds bombastic. It sounds uh, way out there. And I don't appreciate where Dion's coming from. He's ruining the game. <laughs> old school um, coach, man. He says, hey, look, no, he will play when he's ready to play and when he he prepares properly. And apparently he's doing that because he got out there and he made an impact. It'll be interesting to see what happens with them going forward. For the record, the Boomer Bebo podcast has been on Coach Prime's team since back in the spring. Like we, I like what he's doing there. Even at 48-41, Colorado of last year doesn't score against USC. So we got to keep – you have to keep things in perspective. They won one game. They still have a winning record, played the number five or six team, depending on rankings, to within a score. So, no, absolutely. I still think they're doing a good job. I think you have Travis Hunter. Maybe that game changes. Uh, but it doesn't change too much, I don't think, because USC has Caleb Williams. I'm going to throw this question at you. We didn't prep this question, but I was thinking about it when you were talking. Caleb Williams, best pro quarterback prospect since who? I mean, maybe Andrew Luck. Wow. I I, I mean, and I think we think he's better than Andrew Luck, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh-huh. But as far as a guy who was seen as – a can't miss type of prospect, right? The one yeah, had because, it all. You know, Mahomes was a ninth, ninth draft. Yeah, pick. he was like the ninth or tenth pick. Yeah, and I don't think anybody thought. I mean, he didn't even start until his second season, right? And so we saw we saw Mahomes at Texas Tech. Caleb Williams is better than what we saw from Mahomes at Texas Tech. Oh, I, it's, yeah, it's no. not even close. And we love, I mean, and Mahomes is the standard bearer right now in, in the NFL, but right. in college. Yes. And he's known as, as one of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen in the NFL. Yeah. But at Texas right. Tech, no way. It's not close. Andrew Luck, dude, I was almost wondering if you went further back. Like, if you How went far back, back to, are we talking? Peyton Manning? Peyton Manning. That's okay. what I was wondering is because, you know, coming out of college, you know, Peyton didn't win the Heisman, obviously, but there was still that sense that he's the best quarterback, yeah. you know. Yeah, this guy's um, ready-made for the NFL. All right. Whoever gets Caleb Williams is instantly better next year and probably coached by Lincoln Riley. So, um, Oregon, Stanford. Oregon beats down Stanford. They're, they look really, really good. Notre Dame, Duke. Notre Dame, 21-14 to 14 over Duke. That ended up being a win and cover for you. Um, Notre Dame's fine. But I just – they're not a college playoff team, at least yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just their offense. Their offense is good. Obviously, their defense is good. And it's been good all season. But, man, it took – it took. they were down. Remember, they were up first. It was 10-0. They were up – or 13-0 even. And then Duke comes back, scores twice to take the lead. So it took them going down the field and scoring and getting the two-point conversion to get the win. So I thought it was a, a gritty win by them on the road against a – Good Duke team. I think we can say Duke is legit now, right? Good That's team. A They're good team. team. Yeah. Yeah. So to go down there, again, it wasn't pretty, but you'll take the win on the road against a good team. Uh, Alabama continues to reestablish the world order with another win against Mississippi State, 40-17. to 17. However, in a game that we picked, Ole Miss versus LSU, Ole Miss scores 21 points in the fourth quarter to upset the LSU Tigers, essentially eliminating them from college football playoff. 
uh, chances. You did not see that coming. I just did not trust LSU, LSU's defense, especially against after seeing them against Arkansas, and then that's validated here against. Yeah, you were right Ole about that. You you were spot on with that. I thought that Ole Miss was done from a mental standpoint after that heartbreaking loss against Alabama, where they just did not play well. But man, they they from the jump they came out and just jumped all over LSU. Daniels was incredible on the other side for LSU, but man, that defense was bad. I mean, everything about it, but really for both teams, the tackling was bad, the coverage was bad, the offense did whatever you want. This looked like a Texas Tech against uh, OU game back in 2017 or 2016, whatever year that was. Well, I mean, this is the kind, I mean, you look at this score, this is not an SEC score. This is a Big no. 12 score circa 2011 or something, you know, mm-hmm. 2015. So it's odd to see, well, especially LSU. Um, if I'm LSU fan, I'm sitting there going, hey, look, offensively great. We're happy to have it, but we we've won before on championship on, on defense. We've won our championships with defense. That is yeah. not a defensive effort. They haven't really had no. one all year. And then, you know, when they won with the Joe Burrow team, that defense wasn't elite, but it was still good enough, right? A couple teams lit them up. Texas lit them up early in the season. But as the season went on, they got better. They're regressing defensively. And I don't know what it is, man. They're gonna have to attack the portal. I don't know if it's the coordinator. Or, or what the deal is, but this is not the type of defense you expect to see from LSU, especially in the secondary. In the topsy-turvy SEC East, Tennessee beats South Carolina 41-20. Kentucky takes down Florida 33-14. Apparently, the Kentucky fans drink enough beer to drown the Florida Gators. Well, I think their running back Davis had a lot to do with that. 280-plus yards rushing. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I just mean, don't know about this Florida team, man. Kevin, let's let's just take a minute. We're going to be in the SEC next year, but we're not yet. So we can we can bash them a little bit, right? We can kind of where is the defense in the SEC? Is it all in Georgia? Did they just get all yeah, Georgia and Alabama? Alabama is pretty good. That seems about it so far. Yeah. That I, I mean, mean, I guess this Kentucky defense was okay. You hold Florida to 14. But yeah, we, no, man. Uh Missouri, who was ranked heading into the week, beats Vanderbilt 38-21. Uh, in Big 12 play, BYU uh, gets the win against Cincinnati. Those teams, they did not look yeah. good, though. Even though it was 35-27, I mean, you're just, I, again, I, and I feel bad saying this, but you felt like you were watching a MAC game or whatever. You know, yeah, it just didn't exactly. feel like a big-time football game. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, to be fair, it felt like a Big 12 game from about, you know, five or six years ago when we weren't any good. It doesn't look like we're that good right now. Uh, Texas Tech does beat Houston after a slow start, 49-28. A great game. I don't know how high level the play was, but a great game. Did you see the end of the Baylor-UCF game? You know, I didn't see it, but I heard about it. I I mean, 26 points in the fourth quarter for Baylor. What are we talking about here? Well, I don't know because we know Baylor can barely put up – what, they put up six against Texas. So to get up that many points in the fourth quarter, I don't know. Uh, UCF had a shot at the end. Remember, Uh, they were up. Weren't they up 35-7? Yeah, but did you see the you did you did you at least see the play on fourth and five where he ran the quarterback ran all over the world? Did you see this? I did not. It's fourth and five, final play, you know, final drive of the game. And I'm gonna say they're like at the I'm trying to remember it. They're probably like at their own 45. So they gotta get to the 50. Let's say those aren't exact numbers, but they gotta get to the 50, right? He takes a snap, gets pressure, literally scrambles. All the way to the goal line, Kevin. 
they are chasing him in the goal line. They got a chance at a safety, and he then right. runs up the sideline and is able to complete a pass for a first down. It was it was crazy. You thought at that point that maybe UCF had a chance, but Baylor pulls off the win. West Virginia. Uh, UCF still looking for their first Big Twelve win, zero and two so far. I know, and we thought they were good. People thought they were going to be good. That was the mm-hmm. Gus Malzahn-led team. Um, West Virginia beats TCU. Uh, the mighty have fallen. And then uh, outside of that, the other other game of interest for us that we cared about was AM Arkansas. AM did win. You were right on uh, with AM. That takes us to our picks. Um, I went three and two this week. Uh, Colorado covering. Ole Miss winning and covering. I had a loss at Notre Dame, loss at Texas, OU with the win. You went four and one, Colorado. Your only loss was the Ole Miss uh, against LSU, but you won with Notre Dame, won with Texas, won with Oklahoma. You are at a healthy, Kevin, healthy 15, nine and one. I'm at 13, 11 and one. And um, again, I, I say it every week. If you're paying for the service, stop paying for the service. Just listen to the Boomer Bebo podcast and you will win money. It's that simple, Kevin. That's what we're here for. Yes, but please, please bet responsibly. Um, what's the early line on the Texas game? Um, I've Texas seen game? A, I've seen a few different lines. I've seen anywhere from seven at the highest, Texas favored by seven, down to Texas favored by four. Well, let's just have it. That was last night when I checked. The only game listed on DraftKings, well, there's two games, is Texas, Oklahoma, and Colorado, Arizona State. Oklahoma getting five and a half. Texas okay. giving five and a half. They do not have an over-under listed yet. Okay. Uh, as just for the record, for the Boomer Bebo fans that are just joining us this year, Kevin and I place gentlemen's bets with each other on the Oklahoma Tech. There's no spreads involved. We don't care about winning money. We care about winning the game. And this has been the case now for what, six years, seven years, Kevin? Uh, this will be year six. Year six. So I have had... The, the upper hand, obviously, but last year, Kevin won. So just be prepared when we make our picks, which we don't know when we're going to make our picks. Kevin wants to do less episodes of the Boomer Bebo podcast this week. I want to do more episodes. Of the we'll Boomer see. Boomer. I would we'll, like we'll, to do we'll an episode every three hours. Is that reasonable? <laughs> All 12. I mean, I, we, we do have jobs outside of this, but, you know, if you can make that work, then, hey, I'm all for it. I can I talk about taken- Texas and Oklahoma football. All day, every day. This could be I a full-time taken, job for me. I have taken vacation this week with the sincere goal of doing nothing but caring about this game. Five and a half points, though, that line has considerably shrunk over the course of the season. Texas had, I think, opened up at a double digit, especially following the Bama game. Um, as this game gets closer, OU fans notoriously drop a lot of money on Oklahoma because we're homers and, you know, all the things like that. Do you anticipate this line getting tighter or or wider as the week progresses? Um, I see no reason why it'll get wider, right? I mean, unless some news comes out about some sort of injury from OU. Other than that, I think it'll stay where it is. If Or if um, anything, it'll get a little bit tighter. Update us all on the health of Jatavian Saunders. He left uh, – I don't know. Did he leave the game for real? I mean, he I did. know he got, no, he he got rolled up. Yeah, he got rolled up on while he was blocking. Didn't look good. Okay. Nope. Um, Sark said after the game that, you know, he we hope to have him back this week. It'll just be how he responds to the treatment. There's nothing structurally wrong with it. But, I mean, he 
he did get rolled up on pretty bad. So we'll see. I'm hopeful, but I don't know. It just didn't look good, man. It didn't look good. It's a huge, huge loss if that's the case. At this point in the season, that's the biggest injury, knock on wood, for any of the for either team, right? Uh, up until then, we were both going to enter into this contest uh, as healthy as could be expected after a five yeah. five weeks, you know, a five yeah, yeah a five week now, schedule. Justin Harrington is out, right? I heard, yeah, I heard that's he right. ACL. That's right. You're right. I ACL forgot about boy. What I hate to see that, by the way, because I know he was playing good, and I know the coaches. I know Teddy Lehman loves that kid. You've been talking about him all off season. He is really good. And regardless of what I'm about to say, uh, the competitive depth is was needed, is needed. I just really like what Desan McCullough is doing in that in that cheetah position. The guy is so long. I guess I didn't realize like the length he was going to bring uh, to the defensive backfield slash secondary. He's just a long, rangy player. Yeah, correct. I mean, he's 6'3 with long arms. And just yeah. a, a very fluid athlete. So and, and so to see him in that cheetah position, you know, was he as well? Ne- I guess we won't know now, at least for the rest of the year, whether he was rangier or better than Justin Harrington was going to be. But boy, that's if if losing Harrington means I have to see more Deshaun McCullough, I can live you, with you it. You can live with it, yeah. But it's hate it for it the kid. It, oh, dude, it's more than Yeah, I hate it for. Listen, we said this about the Connor Wegman kid from A and M. Oh I mean, yeah. On Oka, on Boomer Beaver Week, it's the, I want to see I want to see Texas at their best, right? I don't want to see Jatavian Sanders out there with no pads on. Yeah, felt okay, the same way about Gabriel last year. Yeah, I did not uh, like seeing Davis Bevel rolled out there and you guys no, having to run the Wildcat. No, speaking of Dayson McCullough, I want to see McCullough go up against Jatavian Sanders. That's the matchup I want to see. We've been talking you about. Sure you want to see that? Yes, but I absolutely want to see it. I okay. want to see our secondary against your receivers. I'm just talking about that that particular matchup, the, the secondary and receivers. Okay. I absolutely want to see that. Dayson McCall is an absolute stud. Line him up on Jatavion Sanders and eliminate okay. him from the game. Okay. Oh, dude, I hope. Are you Come saying on, okay? Man. I hope he comes back. Man, I hope he's back. Bring that Jatavion Sanders. Listen, dude. I, I like what up. your defense is dude, doing. Dude, <laughs> hey, get uh, oh, send him to oh, Germany. Oh. Send him to Germany and get that stem treatment that that a lot of the athletes Listen. get. Get no, you don't need stem treatment. What are you talking? You're in Texas. You get Bud Kilmer, okay? You get Bud Kilmer. You lay him on the table and you shoot him up. What are we talking about? No, the stem stuff, man. It's not even legal in the U.S. And the players go to Germany and get the stuff done. Kobe Bryant did it on um, a couple of his injuries. I listen. I can't believe I did not. I did not think 22 minutes in I was going to get this fired up. But for you to question the ability of Dayson McCall to cover Jatavion Sanders is insulting. Oh, I am I'm absolutely. Insulted. Are you serious? I'm insulted. That's what you just said. Oh, listen, I like you your secondary. I like your secondary. But no, no, Dayson McCullough cannot cover Jatavian Sanders. What are you talking about? What is happening? What dude. world are you living in? That dude's a stud, dude. He is, a, but he can't listen, cover. Listen. The reason you're upset that Justin Harrington isn't playing is because McCullough has to now line up against Sanders, and you know that's going to shut him down. That's to what me, you're man. upset about. That's what you're upset about. Okay, look, time out. I win that argument. That's fine. We'll Sarge's go. Sarge's game game. plan is going to be to get Deshaun McCullough isolated in coverage. Sark's game plan is part of his game plan in, is to put the is, ball in Quinn Ewers' hands and let us let our let our defensive secondary light him up. We have more. We have okay. 11, 11 or 12 interceptions this year already. 
Billy Bowman with his first pick six of his career? Forget about it, dude. Well, first of all, shout out to Billy Bowman. You know I think great he's a player. great player. Great player. Great player. Great player. He should be playing for Texas, first of all. The, is that the second biggest catch of his life behind catching Jada Coleman? She's fantastic. I don't know. Jada Coleman? If he gets one next week, I think you're going to think that's better than him. <laughs> Jada Coleman. You Listen, know? Jada Coleman might be the most popular OU athlete, though, right now. And that includes every really? football player. Oh, okay. dude, people love Jada Coleman, man. She's all over the internet. She's on, like, she was on CNBC and talking about NIL. Yeah, that's why, and that's why NIL is great. But, and, and not just for football players. It's for these other athletes who are very popular and make a big impact on campus. And, not, and they're not going to do anything professionally that can make them a lot of money. So this is a great chance for them to just get a head start on life. Uh, dude, she's got a head start on life. I'll tell you what. And Billy Bowman has a head start on his life if he's not stupid enough to lose that girl. All right. Uh, hey, before we get into uh, breaking down the games, we need to thank our title sponsor, Brown O'Haver. Brown O'Haver uh, has been waiting all week for or all year for OU Texas Week. It is here. They work for the insured, not the insurance company. They will work for Texas fans. They will work for Oklahoma fans. They get more money for your insurance claim. If you've had a loss to your home, for your business, fire, wind, theft, tornado, call Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. They routinely make 30 to 40% more money for their clients than they do on their own. And they get that money more quickly. So give Brown O'Haver a call, 405-735-5510. Mention you heard them on the Boomer Bevo podcast and secure my employment at Brown O'Haver for another week. Kevin, where do you want to start? Um, it's uh, I will I will defer to you. Do you want to talk OU? Do you want to talk Texas? Let's talk OU. I want to talk about your your win yesterday. Um, it was the first first quarter and the first play of the second quarter were odd. Um, yes, the first. Yeah, the first quarter and the first part of the second quarter. We, I told you, weird half, man. It just, uh, yeah, you did. You couldn't have said it better. It was a weird half, and really, it was two really weird plays. So the defense starts. We talked about the Billy Bowman interception on third down. Couldn't have been a better start. Um, guys were flying around, hard hitting, and you're just thinking to yourself, "Well, here we go again." The Brent Venables defense is still here, uh, and then we give the ball back to him and. You get right out of the gate. They moved the ball really well, running the ball, which we had talked about how inept their running game had been. They were running the ball, breaking off some big runs, and then they hit uh, Noel with a 51-yard pass where it looked like Key Lawrence was literally I, – I, I think he had a good game, I guess, I mean, outside. But it looked like he was running in the complete opposite direction of the receiver. Yeah, I just wonder if they saw something on film that, hey, they line up in this set, the receiver runs this route, and he was jumping that based on the film. He just seemed a little lost there. He And you're right, and you don't know, what, did he expect him to hit it to the corner? It was just, it was off-putting, right? I mean, the guy was ran wide open for a touchdown. And then uh, the first play, first or second play of the second quarter, another 67-yard pass play to Higgins. Um and again, our, just our, it, it was like we had a two deep uh, safety set, and it was literally like they just ran to the sidelines as fast as possible. Like it was yeah. just, it was like, it, and in, in a replay, it just looked terrible. 
Um, just yeah, again, because when I see things like that happening, especially from a well coached defense, I always think, okay, your team prepares and you say they run when they lined up in this set, they run this play. Yeah. I think you guys saw that set. Okay, it's this play. And I would say it's like, no, we're actually running this play instead to counter what you think we're gonna do. But that's what makes the most sense there. So so however, so that happens and, and- OU fan, we're OU fan, we're texting back and forth to each other like, "Are you kidding me?" Iowa State, like, what's happening? Then we just proceed to beat the tar out of them, like, just beat them down, like, including, including the fifty-one yard free running play and pass play and sixty-seven yard free open pass play. We held them to two hundred and two yards passing. Yeah, I mean, that's what, what, what are we talking about, dude? They, 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 on, on every other pass, they couldn't break a hundred yards. I mean, that's crazy. Um, rushing, we didn't shut them down necessarily, but we didn't get blown out of the, you know, 150 yards rushing. You'll take that. In yeah. A, in yeah a, it's more than I think Venables would have liked to give it up against a team like that. But you got to understand, right? And people have to understand this. When Iowa State plays against OU, or any team plays against OU, it's their Super Bowl, right? They're going to prepare yes. harder, they're going to scheme harder. Than for any other game this season. And that's what you got. You got some things you probably hadn't seen on film. Once you adjust to what they're doing, and that could take a quarter or half sometimes, once you adjusted to what they were doing, it was fine. You shut them down. Here's the problem, though. And again, everything points to next Saturday, right? So everything means something to next Saturday. You're right. You have time against Iowa State to make adjustments, right? You can, you can. You don't have time against Texas to make adjustments. If they hit you on one of these, you're behind the eight ball the rest of the game. It's that's true. That, that's true. Yeah, because I mean, in some I of those, this, they missed some hit. They missed some shots. They missed some plays. Right? They got down into the red zone, and you can see they just don't have elite talent. Yeah, right. With Texas, it's a different story for sure. Yeah, it's going to be a different story. So you you've got to really be on point. You, you can't let them run free. It's my point. They free runners against Texas, and they're they're going to burn you every single time. Offensively, DG, really solid game, really solid game. 26 of 39, 366 yards, three touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. Um, how many rushing yards? Uh, 37 rushing yards on eight attempts, which is 4.6 a carry for those keeping track. Um, you can't ask. He did, he did throw an interception. It was kind of a dumb play, I guess. But yeah, He got a little greedy there, right? I, I think that's right. Receiver. Yeah, you know, I think that's the best way to describe it. He was it. upset with his receiver there. They just kind of weren't on the same page. I think, um, was it Farouk kind of rounded off his route instead of cutting sharply? He threw it to where he thought he was going to cut sharply. He rounded it off and got intercepted. But, I, again, I think the decision wasn't great. But, overall, I mean, you got to love what you're seeing from Dylan Gabriel if you're an Oklahoma fan. And uh, This was the most confidence I've ever seen him play with and the most passion I've ever seen him play with. When he scored that touchdown rushing in, um, there were – I mean, he's never going to be this guy, so that's not what I'm saying. But there were echoes of a Baker Mayfield, right, in terms of just intensity. He was yeah. he was like – it's like it's like he's been reading the message boards. And we talked about this, and you're like, how can a Sooner fan be down on Dylan Gabriel? There were – there still are. I guarantee you, at 26 to 39, there still are. But there were – there was a contingent – they were, I guarantee you, it, from the way he responded on that touchdown, it looked like I've been reading the clips and I'm coming out to get Iowa State and you. 
Like I am, I am here and I'm not going anywhere. And I'll tell you what, to take that level of confidence, you, you have to have it. This is what I was talking about in the pregame, right? Oklahoma has to be ascending going into the big 12. I mean, going into cotton bowl, we have to ascend into that game. We cannot whimper. Yeah. Yeah. We cannot limp or whimper or sneak into it or, you know, what all the words that, you know, indicate somebody slinking into some, we needed to mark, we need to march triumphantly into the cotton bowl. And right now I'll take DG. I will absolutely take DG running game. Just not there yet. Just not there yet. Yeah. It's still, you still haven't been able to pop the big runs. I do give the staff credit for sticking with it though. 41 rushing attempts. But yeah, it's what was still the, what was the total rushing yards? I didn't write 157 that rushing yards total. It's just not not off of 41 carries, right? Yeah. No, it's just not where you need now. To be fair on talking about the breaking the big breaking the big run, uh in the fourth quarter, Tawi Walker went on a 66-yard run where he rolled some dudes and looked really good. And they called that back on a really weak holding call. Just yeah, I, it, it was just like, I don't know if that's obvious. I don't know about that one, yeah. I, I don't think that this game enters into the – I don't think this game is like a blatant example of Big 12 homerism, you know, calling plays against us and, you know, penalties. I, I didn't get that sense. Yeah. But that was a really – so I – just in this case, it just – to me, it was just a really bad call. So that's a 66-yard run. Goes against Oklahoma. That sucks. But, again, I'm just not trusting. Receiving, dude, I'm all over it. And how'd you like uh, your former boy, uh, Brendan Thompson, getting in the game? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. You, you know, his speed is is clear, right? I mean, I don't think that's any surprise to anybody. Texas fans, we know all about that, how fast he is. Um, he's just a guy that hadn't really picked up the scheme at Texas, you know, with the, the routes and everything. He came from a really small school. But, again, you just can't teach – that kind of speed that he has. So, Did, I mean, he had to slow su- down for the ball. I was about to say, were you surprised Dylan Gabriel underthrew him? No, no. Um, Gabriel, he doesn't have the most elite arm strength out there. But, no, and a guy that fast, it's really hard to overthrow him. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you put everything into it, he's so fast. Yeah, he had to slow down. And I mean, I think I think DJ could have thrown it to the back to the back of the end zone and Thompson would have got I mean, that yeah, guy probably would have got right. He is, yeah, he's fast. If you have a faster guy on your team, I'm surprised. I mean, I know Anthony is fast too. You know, Anthony will take. He only had one catch. Uh, no, he had, uh, yes, he only had one catch. But how about Mr. Touchdown, uh, Nick Anderson with just another big play, and then Jaden Gibson with just a heck of an effort in the second half, just getting beat up and dragging guys into the end zone. Gavin Sawchuck shows up on the back end to give the final push. That was a great play. I'm excited about our receiver core. We were worried about it all year. We got dudes. We got dudes. I feel very comfortable. Um, you've, I've heard rumblings that Texas fan is a little down on your secondary right now. Is that? Yeah, a little bit down on the coverage from the safety spot, right? If you can get the safeties isolated in coverage, especially Keegan Crawford, um, one of the safeties, he's kind of a rotational guy. But when he's in there, you know, he's the one who seems – you know, to give up the big play. Jaron Thompson can give up the big play too because, I mean, he knows what he's doing, but he is not the fastest guy in coverage. So I'm sure that'll be part of the game plan from Levy this week is to try to get your fast guys isolated on those safeties and 
Texas better get the pass rush on there because if not, DG has time to throw, then those guys can get open really against anybody if he has the time. You know, I like um, – yes, I'm worried about the pass rush. I think I think pass blocking has not been a weakness. Um, I think it's been pretty good uh, for Oklahoma. What I really like is the introduction of the run game, for the quarterback run game, because I just – I do think it keeps you just a little off balance. I mean, listen. I agree. No, I agree. And when Teddy Lehman joined us a couple of weeks ago, you know, he told us the same thing, right? That when conference play starts, look for DG to be much more involved in the run game. And we've seen that so far. Yeah. And if you have to account for him in the run game, like if you have to use a spy, that's just one less guy in coverage too. Well, did you see the cool little play where he ran down the side or ran down the line of scrimmage and then flipped it out to Drake's dupes? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it's yeah, just it's those little play. tricks. Option. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to show that before Texas too, almost in a sense, uh, play with Texas just a little bit. Like you got to prepare for this. Like, yeah. Here's another thing you got to watch out for. Uh-huh. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I really like to see. Look, we talked about it. Chess I wanted match, to, man. I wanted to see a, a, a beat down and outside of the first quarter in a minute, uh, it was a beat down. Oklahoma, Oklahoma was clearly the better team. It was never really in doubt. Two misplays are the – you know what? To me, it's it's the fuel that Venables needs to get on this defense, right? Stop reading your press, press clippings. If Iowa State can do this to you, to you imagine what Texas is going to do to you with five times better players, playmakers at every position. You cannot, you know, misread stuff the way we just did. I think he needed that. I think it's – I think that little – those two little – those two plays alone are going to be the – the chum in the water that those sharks can eat on and feed on and be ready for the Texas game. I'm excited to see our secondary respond, especially against your receivers. I've been talking about it all year. I think that's the matchup right there. Um, I love the fact that McCall is going up against Sanders. I think that's a matchup. Uh, I'm excited about it. What did Texas do against Kansas to get ready for this matchup? Okay. Well, you know, first of all, before the game, you know, we started hearing rumblings, that Daniels isn't hasn't been out there in warmups. I'm like, what? What? And then you hear, yeah, it doesn't look like he's going to play. Man, I don't know what happened. I don't know why he wasn't out there. They said back tightness. Really weird, man. I felt bad for the kid because I was hoping, I was excited to see Texas go up against him. Instead, we get Jason Bean, and look, he seems like a very capable, capable backup. He's a good back. Right. You know, yep. he he played pretty good against you guys. He had a couple of turnovers against y'all last year. But he played pretty good, right? He he knows what he's doing. Came out and they came out with this kind of funky triple option that we hadn't seen. They popped a big play off the first play of the game with uh, Devin Neal, who's a really talented running back for them. 26 yards. They ran that play twice and it popped. Or they ran it a few times and it popped every time they ran it in the first half. Right. Uh, I don't know, man. They were explosive. You can see how well coached they are. But with being out there, I think it just really hurts them throwing the ball. And also, he didn't get help from his receivers, too. They had a few drops on some pivotal plays in the first quarter when the game was uh, game was still close. Um, I thought Quinn Ewers looked really good for Texas, though. Uh, he did get a little bit greedy. I don't know if you saw that, uh, having that interception right before yeah. halftime. Yeah. Got a little bit greedy. I'll have to work on that. His first interception of the season, though. So not a huge deal. It's just kind of – it was just a little bit frustrating how we let them hang around a little bit in the first half. We had 350 yards 
of offense in the first half and only 13 points. So it was a little bit frustrating to, to let them hang around. Um, so we go up half, was it 13-7 at halftime, and we come out, and then they hit a big pass play on, on the deep post after we score. So that was, what, 14-13? So it was a little close, too close for comfort, but, man, we got that running game going with Jonathan Brooks. He was really impressive, man. He just seems to get better and better each week, right? He had 100 yards against um, Wyoming and then 100 yards uh, in our game last week and then 218 yards on 21 carries with two touchdowns uh, this week against Kansas, man. So I'm excited about the running game. That was really the biggest question about the offense this year. The freshman C.J. Baxter continues to come on to 67 yards off 15 carries. And Quinn Ewers, man, is starting to become a bit of a runner. Seven carries for 40 yards and two touchdowns, including a 30-yard touchdown. So, yeah, man, I really loved what I saw from the offense. Um, We did see Kansas break a few big plays in the running game. They were able to run the ball really better than anybody has against Texas all season. Right? Devin Neal had eight carries. Yeah, what were the what were those final rushing numbers for Kansas? Well, the rushing numbers weren't. I mean, it was twenty five carries for one hundred and twenty four yards. They were just oh. able to b- break a few big runs. They didn't yeah. stick with it because they got down. Once they yeah. got down, then they they had to they had to throw. Um, eight for forty five for Neil. Eight for forty four for um, uh, Daniel Highshaw, running back out of Moore High School here. So Jason Bean seven carries for uh, for forty two yards. So it's all in all, one hundred and twenty four yards off 25 carries so still five yards a pop though so again something for texas to work on you talked about uh ou having some things to work on that got your attention going into the cotton bowl next week same for texas um got to do a little bit better job stopping some of that run they do have some exotic stuff their scheme is interesting man because they can attack you in a lot of ways right kansas you know they can throw the ball when especially when daniels is in there and they have some pretty, you know, unique running concepts that can really put stress on your defense. You know, I think even more so it's different than what you guys do, right? I think what you guys do is a little bit more straightforward. These guys, they got to have you looking all over the field. You really got to trust your eyes. And again, I think once Texas was able to settle in and realize what they were doing, they shut them down after that. Very similar games between Texas and OU. Two plays is what they gave up. Um. I am reasonably concerned about your running game. I do think in a lot of ways that's, you know, that's our our best player on defense all year, Danny Stutzman. Uh, Kanick was back, so he was not hurt. So we expect to have our full complement of linebackers, Stutzman, Kanick, backed up by Lewis and McKenzie. But they will have their hands full with Jonathan Brooks. He is by far the best runner we've seen all year. It's not even close. Uh, the best offensive line we've seen all year. Um, probably with the best play caller we've seen all year. Am I? I don't think I'm overhyping that. Yeah, I don't think that it's even. I don't even know who would be. Yeah. So second. Uh, yeah, I don't even. I no. I, I really. I'm not. I don't think I'm overhyping that matchup there. Right. So. Um, I mean, I also think this. Well, y'all did play Bama, so I don't know that it's the best defensive mind you've seen, but Venables is he's up there. He's, oh, yeah, he's up yeah. There. He's as good as anybody. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, over Kevin Steele. No, I would take Venables over Kevin Steele. But I'm worried. I'm worried about. I'm worried about Jonathan Brooks. Uh, you know, breaking those runs because that's what we haven't had a lot of. We've had a couple. We're seeing we we, and it's been very small. This is not last year. It, it's with the breakdowns in the secondary have not been the same. But we've seen a couple, right? We've seen some some misses and whatever the case may be. You're going to see some of that. We haven't really seen it in the run game though in our run game defense but we haven't gone up against Jonathan Brooks and my concern is y'all start hitting those for a couple big runs that's going to put our defense on its heels we've been able to play on our toes aggressive attacking cocky you know the last thing I want to see us breaking down you know be constantly in second and third because he's breaking off seven eight yard runs that is that's stressful that's a stressful thought to me I think that's going to be Listen, I'm going to say things like critical and important and the key matchup a lot over the next week. And so people are going to. We're busting out all the cliches. People are going to beat me up in the comments. I don't care. Four quarter game, all that stuff. Yeah. And the concerning thing is if Texas can get the running game going, especially early, then it sets up the play action, man. And that's when you see the Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, J.T. Sanders down the field stuff. Once that happens, then it's, it's all bets are off from a defensive standpoint. And then you're just let, completely lost and everything. So, let me ask you this: How has your pat, uh, punt protection been? Your punt protection for your uh, you know, punts? so far so good. We didn't punt at all yesterday. That's a good. That's Kansas. a good. That's the best punt protection to have is the one where yes, you just simply not punt. Yeah, you just keep going, getting down the field and scoring. No, the punt protection has been the special teams have been pretty good so far. No, because, no issues there. because Peyton Bowen Bowen is an absolute stud. This is his second punt block of the year. He got through that line so incredibly fast that our players weren't even ready for the ball to be on the ground to pick up for a touchdown. I, I he is a weapon. He is yeah, a he weapon. Shot out of a teams. cannon. He was shot out of a cannon with that. I think if Oklahoma needs a, a, a big play, a special play, whatever the case may be, I love the fact that he's on those, that he's regardless of whether he's starting or playing a lot, that they keep him on those uh, special teams coverages because that guy is dying. Right. These are game changing plays, right? Remember the 21 Red River game, right? Again, the historic comeback for you guys. And yeah, what we got ahead because we blocked a punt. You guys are yeah. punting from your near your own end zone, blocked the punt, recovered it right there, scored the next play. Those are game-changing plays. So, yeah, it's definitely something to look out for. And we've got a talented freshman like that. It's just a great way to get those guys established by making big plays on special teams. So, Yeah, because he's going to have some mistakes against your receivers in coverage. I, I think that's just inevitable. Um, he's a true freshman going up against, you know, a Xavier Worthy who – has made plays in this venue. We know that we've seen it since he was a true freshman. And then AD Mitchell, who has been in national championship games and playoff games, uh, an entire team that has played against Alabama and Tuscaloosa. So the environment is not going to be so big. uh, I would think for, especially for those, that group of wide receivers, however, and really your whole team, however, Oklahoma kind of has, you know, we get to come from the underdog spot. And that's a great place for Oklahoma. It's to always play from. comfortable to play from. It's oh. more, you're more comfortable playing from the underdog. Every, I think everybody is. Everybody you might be. But play a little free. You don't feel pressure. Maybe it's just because I'm. Maybe it's just my blatant homerism. I just love being the underdog, especially in the Texas game. Um, it's the, very rare for you guys to be the underdog in that game. By the way, 
Why does it feel like we're the underdog every year? Yeah, that's just the mindset you guys create for yourselves. I love it. But last year, last year you were the underdog, right? I mean, there was no Dylan Gabriel, right? But when, I mean, honestly, before that, when's the last time you were the underdog in that game? Were we not the underdog in twenty one? Oh, you guys were, were undefeated, and we had two losses. That doesn't matter. I felt like the underdog the whole time. Yeah. I felt like the underdog. Oh, you down. You were down. You were down twenty. I felt like the so. underdog until it was fifty five forty eight. Kevin. Yeah. I felt like the underdog 20. until Kennedy Brooks crossed the goal line. I felt like the underdog. It felt great. I'm bad that um, he did. Oh my gosh, dude! All right, I don't know what we're gonna do. I don't know what we're gonna do for uh, episodes, but we're gonna do. We'll, we'll be here, and you're gonna get a lot of. Um, Red River Shootout content this week from us. Man, we're going to be I all think, over it. We're going to be talking about some of our greatest moments. We're going to break down a game. We're going to be all over it this week. Yeah. Kevin, I want in, to, in uh, tomorrow's episode or the next episode that we do, um, I've been thinking about this. I, I want to break us down position group by position group, right? I want to see your thoughts, my thoughts on where these position groups rank because I got to tell you, Oklahoma – did not, I don't, at least I'll just speak for myself. This Oklahoma fan did not expect us to be as favorably competitive in position groups with you guys going into the season as I do today. Does that make sense? I still feel like the underdog, Uh but I thought receivers, well, golly, they've got all the receivers. We don't even have a receiver. I can't even name. Now, all of a sudden, I feel a whole heck of a lot better. Uh, Running back, I think it's going to be a clear check mark for you guys, but I just kind of want to go position group by position group. Because I think those individual matchups are going to be fascinating. I think we've got playmakers, both schools, playmakers on both sides of the ball. To me, this is setting up as the best OU Texas matchup since 11, 12. Uh, those are both blowouts for OU. No, I know, but going into the game. Well, going into oh, it, yeah, I think we were, yeah. I mean, I think we were ranked in 11 and. I mean, you might have to go back to 08, honestly. Dude, it might be 08. I didn't want to go that far back, but it could be 08. Like, this is turning into a heavyweight matchup. I mean, this is what this matchup is, is, and it's supposed to be. Um, and well, Texas hasn't t- held up their side of the bargain, you know, for the last 13 years, right? You guys have always been ranked. It's just oh, oh, Texas from, a, from, a, from, from entering the game. Entering correct, the game. entering the game, yeah. correct. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time we've been undefeated going into the game since 2009. 2009. You know, and, and a lot of seasons we have mul- we've had multiple losses coming into this week. Uh, I think yeah. Real quick, just going into the game, I, I want to see how you guys respond to adversity because I haven't seen you guys face any this season. Very fair. You know, that just, that's just a fascinating thing to look Yo. for in this game. I, I think the the answer to that might be in the seven games of adversity we faced last year. You know, I think mm-hmm. we can learn a lot from not being that good. Um, and then additionally, you've got a defense that you can trust now, and that just that that just makes the adversity a little more palatable. If you think yeah. you can get a stop, if you don't think you have to outscore Texas, because even in that twenty one game. Um, when we got down, we're thinking to ourselves, well, there's no way we're going to make a stop. Like, how are we going to make a stop against you guys? And yeah. and e- even coming back, Casey Thompson's still throwing bombs over the top to Xavier Worthy. I mean, yes. what a throw he made to that tie the game incredible. up. It was good. 
Oh my Thank God. You, and so yeah. uh, to have a defense that you can count on, I think at gives bolsters that, you know, reaction to adversity, but I think it's, I think you're right on. I mean, but Texas, what adversity have y'all faced? Wyoming? I mean, is that what you're referring to? Or No, or no. I'm, I'm referring to when we were in Alabama and Jalen Miro hit the deep shot. Yeah. And we were trailing late in the third quarter. Yeah. Because in, that, years that, past, in years past, y'all fold. It's Absolutely. over. Yeah, that's it. Okay, well, it was a nice effort. By nobody us, goes, nobody goes to Bama and wins. Nobody goes to Bama yeah, and wins. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Right? You can, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, well, we played hard. It was just like last year against Bama, right, at the end of the game. Well, we played really hard. We showed we can compete, but we couldn't win. We couldn't, you know. So this year, at least in that moment, we were able to respond. And, again, I know this Bama team is not the best Bama team we've seen, right? It might be one of the worst Bama teams we've seen in the last 13 years. But it's a still a really tough place to play in that crowd with those players, with that coach. So, well, yeah, it would just be fascinating to see. No, because you think about it, right? And, it, and the parallels, I think of the parallels to the 2017 game, you know? So Oklahoma goes up and beats Ohio State. Smack them so, in Columbus. And so now they're now they're on top of the world. And to your point, you're now down in the fourth quarter to Texas. And you're thinking to yourself, man, well, how do how, who's going to respond? How are we going to respond? And it was, a, um, well, Rodney Anderson had a really great game. But it was our two best players, Baker and Mark Andrews. You know, those yeah. two guys stepped up to your point. And so, yeah, the parallels are really, really similar because they can pull on those reserves. And that's what I mean. Texas can pull on those reserves. Um, they can look back and say, we've been there, done that. We know what we did to Oklahoma last year. We know what we've done to Bama. Um, and I think you're absolutely coming from a sense of confidence that you can repeat um, a performance. Whereas Oklahoma has got to come from a standpoint of we've got to make plays. We've got to be the aggressive one. We've got to come out uh, swinging. Uh, you know Levy loves the deep shot. The deep shot yesterday was on full display by Dylan Gabriel, and he threw it pretty well. He really did. I mean, he, his worst throw was to Brendan Thompson just because I don't know anybody out throws that guy. Kyler Murray maybe can overthrow him. So it's just going to be – listen, dude. It's the greatest rivalry in college football for a That's reason. That's why we do this. this and is, this, this is it. This is why we the, do this. This is it. Kevin, uh, real quick, uh, can you give us a Bijan update? Normally, No, I don't. Well, yeah, let me see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Normally we're previewing it. This game is probably in the fourth quarter. Yeah, can you give us an update? So, yeah, give me one second. Um, today at love noon, to have him yesterday. By the way, we would love to have him next week. Today at noon, Baker Mayfield takes on my brother Jacobs, New Orleans Saints for an NFC South tilt in New Orleans in the Superdome. Oklahoma's had very bad memories in the Superdome. Some good ones, but some bad ones. Uh, is um, is what's his name playing for the Saints? Derek Carr? Is he Derek hurt? Carr? I don't know, man. That injury, I have not heard. All right, so the score right now, as of we're as of recording, is twenty to seven. Jacksonville is up over the Falcons, and let's see the stats. Real quick, while you're looking that up, Derek Carr will play. Derek Carr will play for the New Orleans Saints. Okay, so those that two division, teams, man, I just see they're, that's they're, just a rough division to watch. It's just one of those games. Other than Bijan, 
Bijan has 14 carries for 105 yards. It's not bad. Like, uh, that's a great average. No, 14 five, for 105. 5'6", 5'7". He's got five catches for 32 yards. You know what? I'm going to say the same thing I said about Sarkeesian last year. Just give that kid the ball. Like, what are we doing? Ball. Yeah, there's no need to overthink this, right? You know, uh, he's never – the problem with the running back, unless you're Adrian Peterson coming off an injury, <laughs> you're never going to be in as good a shape as you are right now. Like, Correct. Uh, you know, if yeah. I'm – Adrian don't know, Peterson, I'm, he's not human, so he's we not don't human. even consider him in these conversations. I mean, all he does is come off of, of career-ending injuries to rush yeah, for Torn ACLs and then lead the league in rushing. And remember, um, he tore it at the end of the season. Oh, yeah. Who's the guy I just saw the other day where he's going to be out until sometime in the 24 season? Yes, because that guy is normal. He's a human. Yeah, I don't even know who that was, but they're like, oh, he's, he's out for it. He might not ever, you know. And so, But anyway, going back to, uh, uh, I don't even know. What were we talking about? I just Bijan. lost it. You beat on the ball. Oh, oh, oh. I don't know. This is this is a little off the beaten path, but just I wanted to, I've always wondered about this. I think that the players' union – needs to do a better job of figuring out how to manage running back contracts. Because when they put in veteran minimums, it prices running back veteran running backs out of their position. Correct. Like it's you, they, they, they have it there as a way to protect veterans to assure that veterans will make more money when they get signed. But the reality is the minute that you get somebody and Bijan will be different. That's not, he's not the best example, but really good, solid running backs. When they get to their second and third contract, nobody wants to pay them even veteran minimums. No, no, not at all. Yeah. It is a really interesting market. It's almost like they should have their own contract structure just for that position. Well, if they're going to just, I mean, because we talk about, Hey man, give Bijan the ball, right? Just what give give Bijan the ball, get away. The reality is if you give Bijan the ball 25 times, He's going to be out of the league in three years. Correct. Yeah, you, he, yeah, you can't have him getting 30 yards of carry. Like, it's been a miracle that Derrick Henry has been able to stay effective. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and, he, but those are rare. All the carries but, he's had, very rare. But those are so rare. Derrick Henry, uh, Adrian Peterson, those guys are they're, – they're not normal. And and then, in addition, it, it it just eliminates the really good players because I, I don't even know. It, it just feels like the shelf life is so short that there should be a way to mitigate that for them as, as players, because you take a look at like a Debo Samuel, that dude doesn't want to play running back. He doesn't want to get carries. He wants to get the ball thrown to him out in space where he's going to get tackled by a 190 pound quarter instead of a 300 pound lineman. Lineman, And then getting cut down by linebackers at the same time, getting wrapped up high and then getting hit in your knees every play. Yeah. Especially if you're a good running, a powerful running back. I'm not saying I don't have an answer. To that. I'm not saying I have an answer to that. I don't know anybody does, but I think it's something that's worth exploring. And maybe they have. I don't know. Have they talked yeah, about they got, that before? I haven't heard anything. They got to figure out something, though. Yeah, because these guys are getting, I mean, like you said, they're out of the league quickly. They're not getting the money to that. Their talent and ability warrants. No, no. It's, um, yeah, it's kind of weird. All right. Listen, this is going to be a hell of a week. This is what we live for. This is what Oklahoma, Texas is about. Kevin, I'm very, 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 very effing fired up. So let's freaking go. Let's do it, man. Welcome.